0: So it's been kind of finding where my people are, what my path is, what elements make up my recovery and kind of dealing with the other stuff besides drugs and alcohol. And in my case, um, it's been trauma and dealing with myself being an emotional person kind of dealing with my emotions and grief and all this other stuff that I guess I never really learned how to do or I used drugs and
1: alcohol to, to deal with that stuff. That was Kelly, the sober senorita. And as you just heard, after six years in recovery, she's beginning to look at and deal with all the things that she was using drugs and alcohol to help her not deal with. It's important to note that finally, she's recognizing that she never learned how to properly deal with her trauma or emotions. And Kelly isn't unique in that. If you're alive today, your childhood probably wasn't littered with experiences that taught you how to healthily deal with your emotions. I want to remind you that you may be coming out of substance abuse, but that is really just one step closer to understanding yourself. There are people out there using news, social media, jobs, and relationships, as well as a ton of other things to help cope with or avoid their trauma and emotions. Not avoiding your emotions and trauma is really part of the natural course of long-term recovery because it's no longer about what are we simply recovering from, but who are we and what are we recovering to. Just a quick note before we get into this. At some point in my recovery, I had to step away from the rooms of AA, and well, so did Kelly. Now, this podcast is not about keeping allegiances or following rules or even giving advice. If you're going to recover yourself, you're going to have to find your own answers eventually. Of course, AA is a wonderful platform and group of which I have no criticism, but fair warning, in this episode, we do address stepping away from the rooms of AA. Well, Kelly, thank you for joining me today.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: So um, I always like to start with how much time do you have?
0: I have a little over six years, going to be seven years in May of this year. So a little over six and a half.
1: Okay. So that's yeah. that's right on that kind of cusp of what I consider long-term recovery. You know, I look at, I look at that seven-year mark. And what, uh, you know, what has changed from the first five years to the last two or last year and a half?
0: Yeah, so I think in my first five years or the beginning, I was really concentrating on not drinking or using drugs and like kind of like figure coming out of the fog and figuring out like who I was and what path I was walking and kind of just like doing day to day life and like what that looked like and kind of really embodying being a sober person, like living that label, which I, I'm comfortable calling myself that. I know some people are not, but I like calling myself sober. I'm in recovery. That's what resonates with me. Um, and then the last two years, I think it's kind of like, where's my path? Where are my people? Because I got sober by myself. I've been in the rooms of AA. I left the rooms of AA. Um, you know, I connected with she Recovers. So it's been kind of finding where my people are, what my path is, what elements make up my recovery and kind of dealing with other stuff besides drugs and alcohol and in my case um it's been trauma and dealing with myself being an emotional person kind of dealing with my emotions and grief and all this other stuff that I guess I never really learned how to do or I used drugs and alcohol to, to deal with that stuff
1: right um that's beautiful. And that you say, like, trauma with a smile, right? Like, that's, like, that's just <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, you know, it's part of my trauma. What's up? Like, I don't know. Like, it's all right. Yeah, I try,
0: to, I try to be light with it because I realized there's a lot of stigma attached to that word. And it's a word that everyone has dealt with, regardless of if you really realize or you're aware of it right now. Everybody has trauma. So it, there's the trauma of everyday life, right? Um, I have uh, one mentor that i follow and she says that like you can get trauma well grief from just making decisions like choosing this over that whatever that may be you know so it's it's inevitable um but then obviously there's bigger life traumas and those can be you know quitting drinking addiction sexual assault those kinds of things so for me that's like a little bit of everything
1: yeah like again big t trauma different story of course like right but trauma 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 and and we all have to deal with that and so that it's it's great that like and so much addiction revolves around trying to hide from our trauma.
0: Yeah. And exactly.
1: uh, getting in the rooms and 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 I like that you said you like you stepped away. Like yeah. that's a that's beautiful because like that I mean I had to do the same thing. Can you tell me about your experience from stepping away?
0: Yeah. Definitely. Um so and it's funny, just one more thing about the trauma is like, I never knew that was a thing. Like when I got sober, I, or I couldn't like look at it yet. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how big trauma is in addiction recovery. So that's one thing that's very interesting. And I think that's another testament to my long-term recovery that that's like my main focus right now. But, um, so when I got sober, I was living in Cancun, Mexico, and I didn't really know anything about getting sober. Like all I knew was like kind of the same old story that we've all heard. Like if you have a drinking problem, you need to get sober. And when you do that, you have to go to AA. So that's like all I knew. That's what people told me. That's what I read. Um, And I had a lot of issues with that um, just because of the stigma attached to all of it. I didn't want to call myself an alcoholic. I didn't feel like I was an alcoholic. Um, I didn't I didn't want to go to AA. like that scared me. I I thought about never drinking again scared me all the all the things. So I didn't really know how to do it. And um, also I was living abroad and I was like, I don't even know if they have meetings in English. <laughs> I was making all the excuses. I just, yeah. you know, yeah. I was like, I just don't I don't want to do it. Trauma this works there. in
1: that way, right? Like it's like, no, right. no, no. You don't wanna look at me. You just, 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 guys right. just, just so
0: and it's funny because I did have a friend, a girlfriend who I used to party with in Cancun, a Mexican girl, and she um, offered to take me to a meeting, which I, I declined because I was too scared, and she gave me some literature, which is awesome, awesome and I still have, um, And then, but I still never went uh, right away, and then um, I, my first thing I did, I, was, I attended online AA meetings, which was, like, at that time, this was 2013, and it was, like, in chat rooms, very, like, old internet style, I guess, back then. Um, But I had no idea what they were talking about. Like, it was all, like, literature-based and, like, all the AA slogans that I now know from being in the real rooms. But back then, it was online, so I couldn't, like, face-to-face meet with anyone. And I just – so I stopped doing that. And that was, like, the first month of my recovery. Um, So I just kind of moved away from it. And, like, I was able to stay sober for a year on my own. And then I moved to Florida, where I live now with my husband and all this time I had been writing my blog and sharing um, about my sobriety and a woman reached out to me, she emailed me and she was like, hey, I saw you move to Florida to Cape Coral and I just wanna let you know, I attend some women's AA meetings here and they're really great and I know you've said that you're not sure if AA is for you because I had written about that. She's said, like, but if you ever wanna try it out, like it's great here. I personally know a lot of the women, they're they're awesome. Like you're you're more than welcome to come with me. I'll meet you and we can go together. So I was like, okay, like this woman sounds great. And like we became friends. We actually went to like a meditation class here in Cape Coral first, a, a Buddhist meditation little class that they have at like a spiritual center. Um so I met her and then we went to an AA meeting together and because I was like, okay, well, I should try it, because I had never been to a face-to-face meeting before, and they always say, like, you have to, -to face-to-face is the most important, um, which I agree, it was, like, nothing like the online meetings, Um, and um, so I decided, okay, like, I'll just try it, like, the worst that could happen is I write a blog about my experience, and, and I let it go, Um, so I went, and it was, it was awesome, I mean, I had all the, like, misgivings that you that one would have before they go to AA, like I was like, oh, these people are gonna be scary, and the stories I told are gonna be crazy, and I'm not gonna fit in, and all these crazy things that I thought, but they were just regular people, like we all know, and super nice, and loving, and accepting, and um, here in Southwest Florida, there's a lot of older women, because there's a lot of uh, older population of retired people here, so it was great, because I felt like there was like a group of moms that were like momming me, um, so I, I liked it, so I, I kept going. I was um, in AA for about two years, I got a sponsor. Um, she was super spiritual and awesome. We went through the 12 steps together. I went through the 12 steps twice. Um, I did start sponsoring one sponsee myself um, and it was, it was good for a while. I just felt that it got a little bit repetitive after a while, like the meetings I would go to, we kind of read the same stories and like talk about the same things and cover the same kinds of topics, and if you've been in the rooms, like, you kind of know, like, you can't, like, bring up, like, your own thing that you would want to talk about if you have something going on in your own life, unless at the very end, I guess, maybe they will open it up, but I always felt like that wasn't, like, the right time to, like, say, like, hey, I'm having a hard time with this thing I'm dealing with in my life or whatever, so it was
1: um you mean external from like the drinking like
0: yeah like other problems besides drinking so it was a lot of a lot of like talking about the past and like Mm -hmm. relating to these stories that were like about drinking and i mean it was relatable for me like all the speakers i ever heard i could relate to their stories and the stories that read in the big book were relatable but it felt like after a while i wanted to deal with other things like the trauma or Um, dealing with my emotions or how to be in a relationship um, and have friendships and I kind of just felt like it wasn't going anywhere for me and I just started going less and less and um, and then I got married in 2017 and I got married in Mexico because that's where my husband is from where we met the same thing and I had I remembered I invited some of my AA friends and like none of them came I know it's like a destination wedding so not everyone would be able to but it kind of hurt my feelings so I felt like that was a a tiny part of it um Mm. I was like well like these people like they they're not really supporting me in my normal life um I just felt like it was like in the rooms and you're like in this secret place (laughs) and like no one no one talks about anything outside of and it's just like a secret society and it just felt like it felt like I had to keep a lot of things like a secret and I just remember a lot of people like weren't okay with me writing my blog and it just felt like it wasn't the right place for me it it was good in that i met lots of great people some of whom i still keep in touch with um and i liked going through the 12 steps that was like helpful for me to discover some things about myself but in the end i just stopped going uh, like gradually it wasn't like one day i was like i hate this and i want to leave right
1: right um
0: it just kind of tapered off um and I was fine with it. And eventually I was like, okay, there's not really a reason for me to go back. So I was right. on to other things.
1: You know, I can, I can see that you have, I don't know, something like when you say that, like, I don't know if, if, what, what, what that is. I don't know. Like, do you?
0: But I have something like feelings what,
1: about yeah. When I hear you express you know, this, like, I do see, like, your your posture change a little bit, and you just kind of, like, you know, like, there's, like, and I don't, yeah. and, and I don't know where that is. Maybe it's, like, in the throat. Maybe it's, like, oh, it's hard to say because it's so complicated.
0: I think I have a lot of misgivings and criticism of AA personally. I've written about it. I've been semi-vocal about it, and it still feels like, like, you're really not allowed to say that stuff because, and that's why I feel like I have to preface it with, I went for a while, I liked the 12 steps, I did the things. Right, right, I feel like right. I have to like qualify the fact that like I tried it, I did it, I did all the things because I feel like the resistance that I've received is like, oh, well, she must have not done the 12 steps or she must you have- You didn't not
1: really do a 90 and program. 90, like, you're not gonna like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> exactly, so,
0: and I've been I've met with this criticism and resistance, even um, I wrote a, when I was writing blogs about different things with AA, I, I really didn't understand the whole Concept of anonymity, and I had outed myself in my blog without even really understanding, because I didn't, I didn't know like you could say twelve step, but you can't say that you're literally an AA. And I'm like, that is so silly. Like, what? I, How, what is the difference between saying twelve step and AA? There's literally no difference. What? Who made that up? Like, it's and, crazy.
1: As soon as I started going um, and and dedicated myself to being sober or being like, I outed myself everywhere I went um so yeah anonymity never really meant much to me because like like whatevs but
0: i was so i when i created my blog i automatically added myself because i didn't know that you weren't supposed to like do that it wasn't until i went to aa that i even heard about the concept of anonymity especially as it pertains to aa and i just was like well wait i already did this i already added myself as somebody who doesn't drink and being sober like am i wrong is is it bad um so i kind of felt like, from the beginning of going to AA, I felt a little bit like an outcast because I was like, I'm doing this thing online that nobody knows about or they do and they might think that's crazy or that's wrong or, and I always, like, saw their, like, social events that they would have at AA, like the dances and the dinners and it's all the same people and it's all the same church basements and I'm like, do they ever, like, go out into the world and do anything? And um, to speak to what you were saying about, like, going out and living your life. That's kind of what I felt like. And I've also written about like that living outside the sober bubble. Like, Mm. I'm like I, I think it taught me a lot of stuff. I also think I learned a lot by myself the first year before I even went and I'm still learning stuff and I'm going to take what I learned and go out there and like do stuff and learn stuff and keep writing and keep talking and finding other tools of recovery that I need at the moment.
1: That's awesome. Like, like really like so much love for you. Like, just because like going through this is difficult, right? Because, because we go to AA because we want community and we want that help. And then we realize that when When we're really starting to find ourselves, right? Because I tell people all the time, shit, putting down your drugs and alcohol, that's easy. Sorry. Like, sorry. sorry. Every addict does it. It's keeping that shit down. That is hard. And that, and that is understanding that you have value. That's understanding that your life intrinsically is valuable. And, and it's something that, that, that you need to invest in.
0: Yeah. And it was, it was like, I was excited in one sense because I felt like I finally found people like, okay, these people understand me. They've been where I've been. Like I have a lot in common with a lot of people and there was nowhere else at that time to like go and like, find people like that. So I was like, also sad when the time came, I'm like, well, I'm outgrowing this, I'm moving on. And I think now we're in a different time of life. Like, thankfully, there's tons of other stuff going on and now there's sober bars and there's other sober groups and there's like sober meetups on meetup.com and like all of these amazing things. But it was kind of terrifying at the time when I'm like, Oh my gosh, am I like walking away from my only chance at connecting with other sober people? So there was that fear as well. Um, and that's why I've kind of been like, okay, I need to be in on this movement and creating these other spaces and helping other people find things besides AA, because it it isn't for everybody. And, and no one should feel that fear, like, that if it doesn't resonate with them, or they have to walk away at some point, that that's the only place they're ever going to connect with them. I
1: mean, I worked with a number of people who, um, they come to me and they're saying things like, an addict alone is in bad company or, you know, like, um, you know, once an addict, always an addict and all of this. And it's like it it was never the drugs and alcohol. It was never the addiction. It was the thing behind it, which is the trauma, which is being, you know, literally hating myself or not loving myself. And, And if I continue to not love myself and I'm only not drinking, my life's not that much better.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I think that was literally all of it for me. And when I got sober, I, was, I always say like sobriety is self-love. It's like my greatest form of self-love because I, I'll i never forget like the day that I decided to quit drinking, like the the last day, the first day that I never had a drink. And the first day of my sobriety, I was, you know, crying my eyes out in an airport, like calling my mom, like, i I don't know what to do. I can't do this anymore. Like, I hated myself like I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror I was like I don't know what I'm doing like everything that happened when I drank made me hate myself more Um, even if it was only a hangover or worse but normally it was worse or I was hurting people I loved or embarrassing my friends or my partner had to take care of me and all these things it really made me hate myself and um, and that's how trauma is. Like, it's about what it makes you, you feel like in your own body. So recovering for me has really been, like, now connect, reconnecting with my body and, like, recovering from those things. And sobriety is kind of, like, the first way to do that. And now I'm working on, like, other ways and, like, negative self-talk and dealing with grief and other emotions. But but that was, like, the first way I'm, like, okay, like, I I don't have to hate myself anymore and, like, taking drugs and alcohol is what's the biggest thing that's making me all the self-loathing come about.
1: Well, the self-loathing, I think again, starts, starts before that. Um, You know, like, and then this, the, 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 the taking drugs and stuff like avoids it. But then when you're sober or when you're, when you're, when you, when you see clearly for whatever glimpse of time that is, you know, like you see that it's like, Oh my God, like, I, I I can't do this anymore. Right. And that's what, and either you say, I can't do this anymore or, Oh, I'm starting to feel again. Let me numb out. Right. Let me, let me, let me take that. Let me take that. Uh, yeah. Let me take another shot. Let me go ahead and get another pill. Let me go ahead and do this again. Um, wow. Well, that's wonderful. Like yeah. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. like I love the, the long-term recovery conversation. Yeah, me too. Um, what are some things that you discovered about yourself, your life and patterns and other things like within this trauma that you're that we're talking about um, since your recovery began?
0: Um, so what I've really discovered is like that I'm really hard on myself. Um, my therapist and I have been talking a lot about negative self-talk. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that everyone can relate to whether they're in recovery or not. But I never realized it was like so bad and until my therapist was like you realize you're shaming yourself for feeling and uh, many other things and that you're talking to your down to yourself and the things that you say to yourself in your own head are like not nice and i'm like yeah i guess that's true like i didn't really realize i'm like oh she would be like would you talk to your husband like that would you talk to your friends like that like you're i'm constantly always building other people up or holding space for people And she's like you don't do that for yourself and i'm like was like blown away like oh um so like for me it's constantly like being in check and there and being like more compassionate towards myself and having grace for myself and not saying things like oh you should have known that or you shouldn't you shouldn't have said that or you shouldn't have done that like or you should know better those are the things that like go through my head a lot um or in regards to like emotions and feeling i think i've always I know I've always been a very deeply feeling person. Like I can pinpoint back to when I was a child, like crying in elementary school because I didn't know the answer to a question and just feeling deep shame about that. Like, Mm -hmm. no, you're not supposed to cry in school. You're not supposed to cry in front of people. You're not supposed to cry in public. And I would like go to the bathroom and like wipe my eyes and um, my face would be all red and swollen. I just like, and that pattern carried through for. till now, like, I still, like, there will be times where I do CrossFit, and there are frustrating days there where I can't get a movement that I want to get, or I didn't get a good score that I wanted to get, and it'll make me so, um, worked up that I'll cry, and I'll be like, well, you can't cry at the gym, you shouldn't be crying in front of people, like, all these things, and I've noticed that all these times, it's more about myself, like, shaming myself for the feelings that I'm having, rather than allowing myself to just feel what it is I'm feeling with no shame or judgment. So that's been really huge for me lately.
1: Yeah. And I heard, you know, like in your, in your, in your judgment and stuff you should on yourself. Right. Um, and, And getting rid of should makes it purposeful. Right. Like, and then I can replace that possibly with, I want, or I don't want, I want to go to the gym or I don't want to go to the gym. Or I want to like, instead of I should go see my mom, I want to see my mom. I don't want to see my mom. That's more honest. And then I know what I want to be doing. Right. And
0: those are wonderful turnarounds to kind of keep it in the present moment as well.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what were some things when you began your recovery that you thought would never change, but ultimately did.
0: Um, I think I had misconceptions about what recovery would be like in general, as I think everyone does. Um, I definitely didn't think I would have like fun again. Um, I did, I correlated fun with like being spontaneous and crazy and like not remembering everything you do and hanging out with strangers. How like,
1: fun! Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Tap out to that trauma. <laughs> yeah, I was
0: I was a partier in that, like I like to go out to the nightclubs a lot and just meet random people and do random things, and it's like very spontaneous. So I was like, oh, that's never going to be like what it's like. And although it's like obviously not that kind of spontaneity, I mean I'm safer these days, and I'm glad. Um, I still have a ton of fun, and I feel like they're are moments when I feel like naturally high, like just from being genuinely happy and content and peaceful uh, that I never felt in when any time when I was drinking or using. Um, and I also like never thought I would be someone that would be like writing about being sober. I. I always say it's like so funny because I'm sure like all of my college friends and I know and some my high school friends that I'm still in contact with they're probably like I cannot even believe this girl out of everybody is is in recovery um, because I was just like the biggest social butterfly like partier party girl always encouraging everyone to drink and, and and now I'm the one encouraging everybody to get sober so like the fact that I'm like someone that talks about it openly writes about it like I'm writing a memoir it's just like insane sometimes i feel like i'm looking at my life like from the outside in Mm -hmm. um so those things are awesome and what else My about my own recovery um that i didn't think it would be like i also never thought i would be in like a loving relationship i think relationships are something we haven't really touched on yet but um for me, like growing up i my relationships were very toxic and volatile, and I used to think it was because of the men that I chose to be with, but I then realized when I got sober it was probably me <laughs> being a toxic one right. um although i don't think they were all all of them were that great either, but um the combination of of us both were were not good, and I um, was a very angry person, and there was a lot of fighting, um, some physical fights, and, and just, I never knew how to, like, engage in a healthy relationship with a partner. Like, I never knew what that was like, because all of mine were, like, very um, argumentative, very toxic, very jealous, um, lots like, lots of things going on, um, cheating, and all these, just a lot of stuff, always. And I measure... Spontaneity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> love in this way like i thought oh if this guy is jealous because all these other guys want me that means he cares about me and all these very sick ways of looking at like a partnership and um that's literally how i operated like my entire life until i got sober and funny enough um my husband is like the reason i got sober because we were together for a year without me being sober and it was much of the same like our relationship started out that way with the same toxicity and he had always been pointing out like this is not healthy you're probably drinking too much like all these little like things he was telling me like um i have to take care of you a lot like you're probably out of control and i would just you know write it off write it off like oh he's trying to control me like all this stuff um until finally it was him that was like I can't do this anymore. Like I'm breaking up with you. And that was the day that I quit drinking when he was like, told me, um, I'll see you later. And I was like, okay, he's not the first boyfriend I've had that's brought up my drinking. And it's not the first relationship that I've ruined basically because of how I behave. So it really got me to thinking. And then once we removed the alcohol and drugs, him, he and I were able to build like a normal, healthy supportive and loving relationship and it's just been like amazing like i've had to learn how to be someone that is supportive and loving and healthy and like can communicate and you know not argue and not be um so volatile so it's been that's been a huge learning process and thank god he like stuck around and he's amazing too and i know um he's learned a ton as well and i'm I'm so happy we've been able to like grow together um I think it's been transformational for both of us so that's definitely something I didn't anticipate like being a byproduct of recovery
1: either and he's uh he's a a a fireman is that right yes yes well congratulations and thank you to him um that is that is awesome um so does he drink
0: he does he does he doesn't drink very often but um yeah when we when we met he drank a lot more and we drank together um but when I got sober he started cutting back and now like we never have alcohol in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll drink some NA drinks and beer with me every once in a while. Um but he still does occasionally have one here and there, but very, very rarely.
1: Yeah, no, mm-hmm. and that's not like that's that's him. Like like yeah. you I mean, he yeah, doesn't have to be sober for you to have a yeah. good relationship.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and he has changed himself a lot. I mean, so I mean, he's able to have one and walk away from it or not even drink the whole thing, which is just amazing to me because that's not how. Yeah, right. Done. You're it's like,
1: you left that. Done. What did someone <laughs> put a cigarette button? Yeah. <laughs> yeah <so laughs> that's the different. only thing that makes me stop. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> no, yeah. And 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 it's important to be able to be like, look, I have my relationship with my partner and I have my relationship with my recovery and they're two totally different things, you know, like yeah. he can't be your reason for being sober right right exactly and maybe he was the impetus to bring you to a place where you can get sober wonderful i'm i'm grateful for for that but um ultimately like you have to own that shit, right like right exactly um i want to talk a little bit about thinking clearly um yes. thinking clearly is a weird sort of phrase, right? Because everyone believes that they're thinking clearly in the moment, right? And it's yes. not until it's not until tomorrow that we realize, nope, I was not. Um so although this is a moving target and something that's always changing, um taking where you are as a baseline today, when did you start thinking clearly?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I don't know. I feel like today I'm thinking pretty clearly, but Every year I have felt so different from the last that I probably am not thinking clearly right now. And next year I'll be like, she didn't even know what she was talking about. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I feel about every previous year. I always, every year I do like a year recap on my blog and like think about what I've been through. And I'm just like, oh my God, I knew nothing like the year before. So that's kind of how I feel. Um, I think every year I feel like I know what I'm talking about and then I'm thinking clearly and then I'll just get deeper knowledge and more self-aware and I'll be like wow I, I progressed way more and I really didn't know as much yeah. as I know now so I think it's an ongoing process and that's what I love about it actually it, it's beautiful it's beautiful yeah um, yeah I say I feel like I say that every year it's just I learn more things or I just feel like a deeper into it and actually I'm one of those people who chooses like a word of the year for themselves. So this year I chose introspection because I just really wanted to like have a deeper relationship with my intuition and like myself this year. So yeah,
1: Well, that's good. And, and what a beautiful answer for that question.
0: Yeah. And I was just gonna say, I think Some people think it's just like you get sober and then you're just sober and that's it. Or you, and you just, that's just something that you are and there's nothing else. And I think a small amount of people feel that way, but the majority in in my experience and in in my personal experience, I just feel like you have to continue on still looking within and becoming more and more self-aware and working on different things in order to maintain it and kind of to, to know that it keeps going. Like, so I would say to anyone new to recovery, listening to this, like, this isn't all there is. It's gonna get deeper and more will be revealed. And I I don't hesitate to use the word better because I think each year it can be more difficult. Like life still happens, challenges arise. You're gonna have people pass away or things will happen or tragedies will strike. so I can't say that like each year is better. It's just each year is different and I just learn so much and I sometimes overcome more and I become stronger and that is beautiful and and worth it for me.
1: Oh, man, that's nice. In terms of addiction, in terms of like pacifying ourselves because we're uncomfortable, right? Um, what are some things that you... I I hesitate to use the word struggle, but what are some things that you recognize in your life are things that you use to pacify today that you're also aware are that they are pacifiers?
0: Sure. Yeah. This is a, this is a great question. And I'm trying to think of the best way to answer it because I think my main thing that I use today is like I CrossFit, and I can get carried away with that. Like I have had times where I haven't taken a rest day in over a week or eight, I think eight or nine days working out in a row, like hard working out, um, that has happened to me. So I have to be careful. I think, um, and it's mostly because I love the way it makes me feel right. The same thing, kind of like with drugs and alcohol and like the way you feel after, like you get a natural high. Um, so, but I also know that it's healthy and like makes me feel good. But It's also not healthy to not have a rest day for an entire week. So, I know that's, like, my main thing, I think. Um, Another thing that I – I hesitate to use the word struggle with because I think food is such a touchy subject. Mm -hmm. And um, I did have some disordered eating in my past, but I wouldn't say I had, like, an eating disorder. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But (laughs) – I guess. I don't know. that sounds um, So I, I often use sweets as a reward. I think, you know, I'm like, oh, I, I had a hard day. Like I did a ton of work. I deserve this piece of cheesecake. <laughs> and I love dessert. I love sweets. Um, so I do that to myself often. Um, and then I feel guilty about it afterwards. So
1: and that's it. That, <clears throat> it's not about it's not like, like I always tell people that I work with and I tell people that I talk to on this, on this platform and whatnot, like, it's not about, you know, like not having anything. Right. It's about knowing that you have things and keeping that shit in check.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's, and with food, it's so hard because I don't want to label any foods as like bad or nope. good because you know, it's such a, you can go down a rabbit hole there. Um. But yeah, I, I have to ask myself, okay, like, why do i feel like i deserve like a cheesecake today like why am i feeling like that so that's up to me to like ask myself
1: right and and how is that conversation kind of coming up or going in your life or and are there things like cheesecake that you're really not questioning right now which is fine but Mm -hmm. like like just in this conversation you're like oh maybe the cheesecake you know I go through an Eli's a week. I don't know, yeah. like you know, yeah. like I don't know. But
0: yeah, mm-hmm.
1: talk to me about CrossFit.
0: Yeah, I love
1: CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when did you start?
0: Oh gosh, so I started in 2014. So um, like actually, I started a month before my sober anniversary, the first year. So it was like in my within my first year, I had all this extra time. Um so I was like oh this looks fun and I was still living in Cancun so I actually did like my first CrossFit experience there in Mexico.
1: Um how often do you compete?
0: Um I compete a few times a year. Uh I think the most I've ever done in a year were like seven competitions or something.
1: That's a little more than a few. Um,
0: yeah. So last year, I feel like I cut back a little because um, I traveled a lot last year and I just wasn't around as much. Um, yeah. I did, I've done one comp this year so far. Um, and it's
1: February. So, so Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. but these are just so, these are just like local competitions. So they're very yeah. um, benign and um, fun. And we joke around because my partner and I, we normally... I don't know how much you know about CrossFit, but there's a scaled and RX divisions, do you know anything about that? I
1: don't know anything okay.
0: about that. Yeah. So, um, RX is like prescribed is what they, um, the weights that they required. So you have to do the weights that they require and the movements, like the gymnastic movements. Um, and then they're scaled, which is like modified. So if you can't do those specific weights, then you're scaled and same with the movements. Okay. So um it took us like a few years to like doing CrossFit and building up and to finally be able to do RX competition. So her and I, we're always like the bottom of RX. We, we try our gold every time we compete is to not get last. So we don't, we've been meeting that goal pretty consistently. Good. So we're happy, we're happy there, but we definitely don't podium very much in RX because it's just harder and it's, you know, it's harder work, but, but yeah. it's really, really fun. So we're happy to do it
1: so in terms of in terms of uh doing crossfit and working out and stuff like that i mean when it takes you like uh when it takes you away for let's say like eight or nine days in a row right and you don't take a rest day um is that associated or can that be associated with your sort of wanting to check out of your life or are there things that you're that that you know If we were to look at this as addiction, now I don't want to like put on like all these labels, but I want to, you know, like in terms of caring for you, right. Or caring for other people, like, like questioning, like, where is the motivation for this? And it's fun. I get that. But why is the rest of your life not fun or how is this balanced? and, And how do we, and, and, and is that a conversation that like you can have, or you think about or what? Yeah. So
0: the times that that has happened, I definitely think, yeah, I I was like, I need a break from whatever, work, life, Mm -hmm. and that's the best place to go. So I definitely think it has been a way to escape some of the time. Other times, I just think I get carried away with, like, my friends and we want to work out, we're going to meet each other a certain time, and it's like, our schedules hardly match up, Um, so sometimes I think it's, like, uh, benign, but there have been times where it's definitely, like, I'm trying to... Relax or escape or just not think about um anything, which is exactly what I used to do with drugs and alcohol. So yeah.
1: And it escape. also sounds like um in in, in that <laughs> And that oh our our schedules never match up. We want to go. We want to have yeah. fun. We want to do this. That sounds <laughs> like someone talking about the weekend afterward, right? Like going to the club. Yes.
0: Yeah. You're so right. Right. Yeah,
1: right. It like it just, just 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 randomly sounds that way. You yeah. Know? Like, and then I
0: could I could never be the one to be like, well, guys, today is my rest day. Of course.
1: Right. 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 Um, so it doesn't matter if our schedules match up. Or right. Um,
0: yeah. I definitely. So and, and that's just and that.
1: that's just again like that's just to show that like. Addiction is, you know, there and, and yeah. we and escaping ourselves and escaping things and going back into this patterning that we have is 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 normal. It's not yes. there is yeah, no, there's no sure. reason there is no reason to um, hold stigma for ourselves around our addiction. Like, you know, like I mean, I interviewed Laura McCowan not long ago and and she mm-hmm. wrote the book We Are the Luckiest and mm-hmm. and and in our interview she said, We are the luckiest because we were able to wake up to this in our lives. Right. And the fact that like you're here, you're sober, and this is going on, and we can still have a conversation about like, yeah, CrossFit is great, but you're better than CrossFit. You as a person are more valuable than that. Right. right? Like right. and ultimately looking down the road and being able to see like Okay, well, how do I keep this balance so I continue to get better? Because your knee's not gonna last forever.
0: That's so true. <laughs> um yeah, and it's there's a lot attached across it too. It's it's a hard sport. Like you there's a lot to learn, <clears throat> and it's also um, for me mentally tough because it takes me a little bit longer, I feel like, to learn some things, and so then I get into my head about. Well, I need to go more because I need to put in the extra work to learn these other movements that I haven't perfected yet, um, that I should be doing, or, or lifting this amount of weight. Should. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, so then I like, actually lately it's been a little bit like that and I just have to remember, okay, like why am I doing this? Like I'm doing this because it's healthy as a workout routine and it's fun. Those are like the main two reasons. So if I'm not the best CrossFit athlete on the planet that knows how to do all the movements, it's not the end of the world. Like there's a life outside of that. So I, cause it can get, you know, it can get hard because I get down on myself like, oh, because, you know, we hear those things where they're like, okay, you need to stay after and practice more. Or you need to practice this movement mm-hmm. or you should need to put in the work or you're not trying hard enough. And, and I can get bogged down by those, those stories sometimes. So I have to remember like, why am I really doing it? So. right,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You mind And, and, you know, and I don't bring it up to, you know, like I don't bring it up to, to, to there's no judgment or anything in it. Yeah. right? Like I just, I bring it up because like, it's important to be vulnerable, especially yes, under platforms sure. like this, because like we are, you know, the luckiest, right. We're the ones that are out there, yeah. like really pushing ourselves yeah. to be us right because because that's all that we can do and you know so 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 much of our drinking and using was I've seen revolved around trying to be something for someone else
0: right exactly exactly
1: and then when I hear like oh you got to stay late you got to work harder you got to do this just like wait why am I doing right right yeah
0: yeah yeah, and it's a little bit of like the perfectionist, I think, in me um, <clears throat> wanting to do my best and be my best at everything. Um, yeah, so it's, it's interesting. But mostly I, CrossFit has been such a positive thing for me. Mm-hmm. It's a, a wonderful community and environment. Um, and it's a great place to find sober friends. I mean, I have some sober friends. we were actually at my gym. We just started Sober Sunday. So we're going to actually have a workout it's going to be led by me and um, my um, fellow sober sister. Her name's Katie, and she um, has her L1 CrossFit coaching um, certification. So she's going to lead the workout. I'm going to do a meditation. We're going to have Sober Sunday. We literally just created this. The first date is on um, March 22nd. So I'm really excited about that too.
1: So much respect for you. Thank you so much for being with yeah. me today. This was a really great interview. Yeah. Like, you asked I, really
0: good questions. I appreciate it. It got me thinking a lot. So
1: Good, good. That's what, that's what I do. That's kind Yeah, of you're really good at it. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you'd want to uh, say?
0: Um, the only other thing that I want to mention is my She Recovers sharing circle. Um, that I do ed monthly in Southwest Florida, in Cape Coral. So if anyone is out there that is local to this area and you're a woman looking for recovery support, we meet once a month. And you can find all that information on my website.
1: Kelly, thank you so much. Speaking with you was so fun and easy. Yes. I think, I think like, like yeah, really editing was. this is going to be a great time. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I had so much fun. This was nice.
1: Good. I want to thank Kelly for sharing so much with us. In the description of this episode, you'll find links to Kelly's blog, her She Recovers sharing circle, and her new Sober Sunday CrossFit class at CrossFit Cape Coral, which begins one week from today on March 22nd, 2020. Consider heading over to anchor.fm and supporting this podcast. There, you can also leave me a voicemail, which I'd love to receive because all comments, criticisms, and suggestions are welcomed, no matter how you get them to me. If you are someone in long-term sobriety and can relate to the Recover Yourself idea, reach out to me through my website or on social media. Once again, this is the Recover Yourself podcast, and I'm your host, managing long-term sobriety, Martin John. Until next time, keep recovering yourself.